0: Thank you so much for joining me. And when I say joining me, of course, you're not actually joining me, because all you're listening to is a complex collection of ones and zeros that is living somewhere inside your device or the internet. But allow yourself delude yourself for a moment and think that I am speaking to you directly in real time. My name is Daniel Gardner for another episode of Which Car Weekly. All of the greatest motoring minds brought together from Bauer Media. This week, speaking of which, I am joined once again, as is typical, by Associate Editor of Motor Magazine Scott Newman. Hello. And we are very lucky to have another. Privileged. We have a foray, another foray. um, Street Machine Editor and Bauer Brand Content Director Simon Telford. But no one calls him Simon, everyone knows him as the Venerable Telfo.
1: Thank you very much. The
0: big kahuna burger. Yes, exactly. I'm very excited to have Telf in the studio with us He's looking, comp- like, suitably nonchalant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now all it, r- r- um, I have to say is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Don't I, Scott? Yes, you'll get it, like, oh, it out there. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I know. Give me give me my time. Plus size SUVs with a drinking problem, a supercar that hardly touches the stuff, and Australia's fastest road legal cars. Mm. <laughs> Let's get straight into it um, Gentlemen This week has seen An unusually large number Of large SUVs revealed And they're not just big fatties They are ones with the athletic performance To, to match as well Let me give you this for a list Maybach GLS 600 Audi RS Q8 Mercedes-AMG GLS 63, Mercedes-AMG GLE 63, and Aston Martin's foray into the SUV world, the DBX. If that's not enough very big, very fast SUVs for you in one week, then you are just being greedy, young lady.
2: Yes, absolutely. We have, what, a twin-turbo V12 and... Four twin-turbo V8s yeah. in So this economic, uh, ecologically conscious time.
0: Yeah, so it's fair to say that none of those have a particularly sharp focus on being frugal. No. They all like to go very fast. They all like to be very big and make a big statement on the road. Now, you quite accurately and astutely made an observation, Scott, didn't you?
2: Well, it's interesting. I always thought about this when I saw the BMW X7 Billboards up around Melbourne and probably Sydney and others uh, recently when it introduced because you read all about it. It's it's a bit more more so internationally than locally, but it's coming. It'll come eventually. Um, everyone's pushing for EV, climate change. You know, reducing emissions, reducing our uh, footprint, um, which is interesting because what customers want are ginormous cars. With lots of power. That's why they're making them. That's why there's been such a deluge this week. Yeah. Um, probably no coincidence that it's the LA Auto Show this week and they're producing lots of massive, powerful SUVs. Um, but the trouble is, these cars fly in the face of uh, pending regulations yeah. in Europe. Yes. So we've talked about it before, but uh, so 2020, next year, uh, in Europe, manufacturers, so like, not necessarily a single manufacturer, but the 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 larger companies, so Volkswagen Group, uh, the new PSA FCA Group, rather than specifically Alfa Romeo or Ferrari or whatever, yeah, have to have a fleet average of 95 grams per kilometer of CO two.
0: Which is very, very small.
2: Well, that equates to about 4.1 liters per hundred kilometers,
0: which is incredibly efficient.
2: That's the thing. Not many cars. Not many cars full stop at the moment.
0: Yeah, can do that by themselves. Let alone a corporate average of a fleet which includes
2: twin turbo V8s in two-ton SUVs. Correct. So. Let's concentrate on Mercedes for a moment. I did a bit of... Because, A, they did a uh, investor conference call <gasps> earlier this week. Oh, have you got some figures and statistics I have some figures you. and you statistics. You know
0: how I feel about figures from you.
2: So, Ola Kal- Kalanias... Kalanias? Ola, Kal- the Ola. boss of yeah, yeah. The boss of Mercedes-Benz. Yes. Took over from Dieter Zescher earlier this year. Um, he basically had bad news for everyone because Mercedes is going to cut 1,100 jobs, saving 850 million pounds, because they've got to spend uh, a metric ton of money on electrification. Of course. So they need to save money. Part of that is, as we just said, next year, Mercedes, along with everyone else, but we'll concentrate on Mercedes, um, have to have a 95 gram average. Currently, they are 138. So that's quite a way off. Quite a way off. So this is where it gets really juicy because... The fines are huge. So for every gram per kilometer over the limit.
0: Every gram per kilometer.
2: Yeah, so the limit's 95. So if you're 96 or 90, if your average is 96, currently 138. uh, It is 95 euros per car registered. <laughs> that and how many cars out there will they have potentially at that point? Well, last year I can't. F- it says passenger cars, so I'm going to assume it's just passenger cars. But yeah. last year, Mercedes in Europe sold around 950,000 cars. Oh dear,
0: oh
2: dear. Yes. <laughs> so even if they get down to hundred euro, hundred grams from yes. 138, which would be massive. Yes. That's five times 95 times basically a million. So, Ouch. yeah. Suddenly got... it
0: makes the fine that Volkswagen copped for its emissions scandal.
2: Yeah. Like, kid stuff. And I don't want to single out myself. Like, everybody's in the same boat. Volkswagen groups, equally screwed. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Everyone's in the same boat. That's why, you know, part of the reason FCA hooked up with PSA is because they were, had no hope of getting to the regulations, whereas they hmm. can link up with Peugeot and Citroën, which have a better electrification. Right. Um, the one saving grace is... It'd Have to be a pretty big one if you're making it. If you sell an EV car, yeah, it counts as two, to, that counts as two cars, yes. Oh, okay, right. So you get a decent cut. So they but, have to, how many do they have to sell then? But for instance, the GLE 63, and they probably want to sell lots of the GLE 63, yeah, because it's high margin, expensive car, yeah, that's 261 grams per kilometre. So Ouch. they need to basically sell two. EQCs, their new SUV. To cancel out. To count to, for every single one of those yeah. AMG And, you know, all AMGs are the same. GLE 63, AMG GT, you know, A45. They're all super polluting and stuff like but that. But this presents
0: us with yet another uh, absolute sticking point. Because we know they will have absolutely no trouble selling big, thirsty SUVs. Exactly. But they we also know they're going to have a lot of trouble selling expensive, frugal electric SUVs.
2: Also, exactly. So that's a so big work. problem. Because... And unless they regulate petrol out of existence, they're never going to make it. Because if you present the consumer with the choice, they're going to buy the car that they want. Of course they are.
0: Okay, so this comes down to the core question of this subject. Do they just have their head in the sand, the manufacturers, do they have their head in the sand and they're pretending it's not going to happen and mm. they're, just, they're just riding this good wave while they can, we can sell thousands of thirsty SUVs, luxurious for lots of money, big profit margins, mm. and they're just going to worry about, you know, the impending carbon emissions and, and corporate average fuel economy when it happens?
2: Yeah, I think... yeah I, They can't,
0: surely think... they can't because they're facing this, they, they would know very well yeah. and there's some pen pushers as well that would be reminding them every day that there's a huge fine potentially pending for them if they don't do something about this now. So what are they thinking and What's... how are they going to get out?
1: Well, it's only Europe. It is so, only Europe. Yeah, England's about to leave Europe. the Great Britain. UK, yes, yes. America, yep. loves to pollute. Middle East doesn't care. Yep. <laughs> we don't care. No, no, we don't care. At We're the probably moment. the least caring. The big, the big That's other true. one though will be the,
2: what will probably force their hand will be China because China will have the power to go. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to allow it, you're not allowed to sell petrol engines anymore. You couldn't do that in Europe. Like you'd be. Revolts, There'd be, you know, murders in the streets and stuff like that, whereas China will just go, no. I think they've already actually said it. They said, you know, no. Certainly the Chinese makers, I don't think, have any internal combustion engine plans because, you know, the government's just going to go, no, you just sell electric cars or Or not. not. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's funny that essentially... The Manufacturers have all done what we all do is they've left their homework to the night before it's due. <laughs> and That's now, exactly what it's like. Yeah, it's, now, like now, a now, really, now. it's
0: like a global, really expensive version yeah. of, yeah. They were the out homework.
2: there making twin turbo SUVs and stuff yeah. like that and going, Yeah, go to that party. And then it's like, Oh no, my maths homework's due. Oh, I've got, an, <laughs> I've got a 2000 word essay now to write <laughs> overnight. A little like the publishing up. industry, one might say. exactly. Right. <laughs> it is. Isn't that funny how our deadlines don't change every month? Mm. If...
1: I was thinking the larger publishing industry. <laughs> oh, well, that yeah. Yeah, too. Yes, mm. yes. Digital? What is digital? Mm.
2: Look, at, look, at, look, at us, look at us now on a podcast.
1: I've got a TikTok account, thank you. you, you what? Mm. Really? Cutting edge. What is it? Tell the tell for listeners. I think it's Telfo. Telfo. Yeah. TikTok. Brilliant.
0: Okay, there we go. Mm. I'm interested to get Telf's, um position on this as well because... You're obviously editor of Street Machine, which is a... a I don't think there's the, the word... How many years has Street Machine been running
1: now? Since 1981.
0: I don't think you've ever used the word efficiency or economy in that magazine.
1: Hmm. Some of our guys are, are... Like their daily driver car. Yeah, they want to... Petrol's expensive. Our okay. guys are very frugal. In their, A lot of them don't smoke, don't drink. They save all the money for their car.
2: That's because if you've got a street machine, you can't afford to have any other hobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they'll spend
1: all their money on their car and all their petrol to run that car. But their daily car, they do care about
2: Okay, all right.
0: right, so it is a relevant subject. Huh. But, yeah, so, um, I mean, you would love talking about this kind of stuff, you know, cars that use fabulous amounts of fuel yes. and, and, and actually uh, sort of upstaging electric cars right at the advent of
2: when we really need them. Right? But I think the street machine guys maybe are the perfect example of where it's going to go. Like, they will have a quite a frugal, everyday car because it matters, so they can then go and put 100 litres per kilometre in their 2,000 horsepower nitro whatever. Correct. Um, which I think is oh, exactly. what we, we we'll all do. Like we'll all probably drive an electric car, and why not? Because it's very sensible. Um, and then for, you know, for me, I'll have a rally car, or Dan will have a, a classic, or whatever. And tell will have a street machine because we'll go and enjoy that on the weekend. Hopefully, we're still allowed to enjoy it. Um,
0: I don't think there's any question that whether we, we will or we won't. I mean, we will. I mean, it's, yeah. You know, the, the I'm industry's boring. too big. Yeah, and I'm boring myself with the analogy now that you can still ride a horse if you want to. Yeah. And and people do. Um, mm. even the Queen it, does it. They still make hay. That's they the thing. They still make hay. Exactly
1: right. However, how much will, once the economy was a scale for petrol sink. Yes. And it's a very specialist thing. We'll make our own. Hey, yeah. Mad Max freestyle. <gasps> That's exciting. Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. No Tine. Methone. Tina's not very well. As it's if I in, needed
0: another say. excuse to have a still in my house. <laughs> 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 a still. Come on. I like where your at. You um, can go next to the trough. So while we're on the subject of street machine and cars that use fabulous amounts of fuel. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, Telf, about uh, Drag Challenge 2019. Last week, we talked briefly because I was in the middle of Drag Challenge. Uh, I, I was alive at that point, mm. And, surprisingly, I still am. Even though I was driving a 650 horsepower supercharged uh, Chevrolet Camaro ZL1, Um but surely at
2: that... Drag Challenge, 650 horsepower, like barely well, gets the in thing. the door.
0: Standalone, that production car is a very potent machine. But in the company of some of the vehicles I was last week, it was a bit of a pussycat.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, drag Challenge, it went f- from where I was standing very, very well, very successfully. The organisation was brilliant. Please give us the rundown and the review of 2019 and how it actually appeared to you from behind the scenes.
1: So for those that aren't familiar with the concept, we take uh, any... Body who wants to bring bring a car along and has six hundred dollars to enter to five drag strips over five days, and the clincher is they have to drive between those drag strips without a support vehicle, without a without being on the back of a truck or a trailer. They have to get there under their own steam. If your car breaks down, tough luck, you're out. But wow. you can fix it. You can fix it, and they do. Yes. Which so is
2: a cra- for me, that's the crazy thing. I see I follow the social media post, and it's like, oh yeah, we lost bloody second gear on the pass. So we just pulled over by the side of the road and did a
1: gearbox swap
2: and slept in the car and then went drag racing the next day again. I was like, why? Why would you do this?
1: Uh, well, because it's fun. They, <laughs> I think the, no? No, the harder not. it is, they, the more they like at the entrance. And it, it, is, it was difficult. We had uh, some rain. We had some dust storms. We had some heat. We had some freezing cold. And they it's never seem to day. say, oh, please make it easier next year. <laughs> So basically, they were a bunch of masochists. Uh, yeah, and the road, some of the roads you went on, Dan, uh, weren't the greatest, were they? No, certainly not. I mean. I, I had it very
0: easy. I had a production car with you know cooled seats and cruise control really really easy, but some of these guys were properly roughing it and and as you said, you have to everything you need has to go along with the car you're racing and that includes people so some of these cars I saw them like people squeezed in through
2: roll cages and stuff oh really so, so you, your crew you not have to... a support vehicle at all no oh, so wow. if you want to
1: work on the car if you want to go along with Dan you'd have to travel with him the whole way Ew. we have an armband <laughs> to... who uh, <Shut> <laughs> had this <it just> <laughs> touch. Armbands to, and, like, if you wanted more people to squeeze in the back of the Camaro, yeah, some shorter people. Yeah, they'd have to be very small people. I'm
2: picturing those, like, things when they're trying to get the, across the border in Mexico and they sew themselves into seats and <laughs> yep. stuff like that. Is that part of scrutineering? Do you have to check that there aren't people, like, in the fuel tank? And... No, because oh, that's fine. That's fine. Actually, you'd be allowed. That's oh, okay. Yeah. What's
1: well, not fine is for people to follow along. And, uh, right, and, okay. And we yes. had a little bit of that following along. and Oh, I'm just here. I'm at the service oh, station. Oh, good Samaritan just happened uh, yeah. to pull over and mm. help me out. But, yeah, it is all about that... Uh, There's a lot of... It's the great one of the last great, along with land speed racing and probably some forms of rallying Mm -hmm. uh, and hill climbs, of the driver engineer, where anybody with a crazy idea and a bit of money and some uh, some car parts can build something, build their, you know, Jack Brabham style Mm. or Larry Perkins style. And
2: race it themselves. Like if you built your own, say if you built your own rally car or Formula One car, you can't, unless you're Lewis Hamilton, you probably can't go and win. Whereas, like not denying these guys' skills in drag racing, but you can... Build a seven-second car, learn to paddle it yourself, mm. and go against the best.
1: The driving at that level of the seven-second cars—the yeah. ones that go down a quarter mile or 400 meters in seven seconds—that is proper, yeah, uh, proper skill stuff. Uh, like Dan had no problem, obviously being, you know, driven lots of cars over the years as part of your job. Had no problem hopping in the HSV and mm. at an 11-second level, at a seven-second level, these cars are very snappy. If there's any fluid on the track. Mm. If, if something goes wrong, it can easily get out of shape. And they the reflexes on these guys is crazy. So the whole thing you hear about Formula 1 drivers can mm. slow down time and they just don't see things the way we see them. Mm, yeah. These guys, I think the best of these guys, because I've seen them recover from some amazing... And I
0: saw that too. There were some absolutely... Sideways. That, yeah, yeah, fully sideways. Half, Mildura was the real eye-opener for me because yep. it was so dusty. And, and this is something else I learned... If you get dust on a on a warm drag tire, it's like putting talcum powder on anything sticky. It Immediately oh. removes any kind of tackiness at all. Wow. So you go down the strip on a on a tire that at the start was was perfect. Several revolutions, it's picked up half a mildura's dust, and it's doing nothing. It's basically yeah. a, a useless. Like, could it, could it have Bakelite on the back and it would be about as grippy? So, so these the, guys have got, you know, th- in excess of a 1,000 horsepower and suddenly the thing decides to go sideways. So, what's the trap speed for the guys at the front?
2: Like 170? Uh,
1: in miles an hour, we yeah. had a car at Calder Park do 194-ish miles an hour, which is what, 320? Yeah, 300, k's,
2: yeah. 300 Yeah, fifteen k's or something? Yeah. So, you know, these cars can break into wheel spin at 300 k's an Yeah,
1: hour, and right they, these guys can control that. And then they've got to pull up in time yeah. before the, they hit the fence or the the tree stump at the end of the paddock. It's seemingly insanity, but so many people do it. It can't be. Well, the how many cars did group you have insanity. this year? Uh, 240 entered, and as it gets closer to the event, guys realize I'm not going to make it. Yeah. I think we had about 200 actually start, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe 150 finish. Wow. It was amazing. So, one of my
0: learnings was partly... Just how difficult it is to, to be a driver in one of these incredibly fast cars, but but really the skill across the board is in the engineering and the ingenuity and the resourcefulness of these people. Like they've built all of these cars. Not, there's no such thing as a factory team in Drag Challenge. These guys have made the cars themselves, whether it be with some you know very very um, some absolute experts fabrication. They they're home built cars.
1: Yep, and the mine. car that won. Was extraordinary. Tell us about that. So that's a HQ Holden, nineteen seventy-two. It was probably yeah. Holden's most uh, most populous model until the VE or VT. They VT, made think, made yeah. over four hundred and something thousand of them. Mm. So a very common car in Australia. Right. Not Again, what you what... not what you'd call a, a live, you know, natural drag car. It wasn't
2: known for its uh, accelerative or dynamic prowess. No, <laughs> but our,
1: so our winner Harry Haig, uh He's been at drag challenge since the very start. Uh, he's been trying to win since not 2014. He also races in the American version of this event, which we stole the idea from, yeah. called Drag Week, and he's raced a car very successfully over there for a number of years. But this HQ is even faster than that car, and uh, yeah, this year he, he's a farmer. It's and he his uh, car looks like a, if you've ever seen the engineering that goes on in farms. <laughs> There's not a lot of care for. You know, aesthetics. Be- aesthetics and beautiful welding, and this car looks like a pile of shit. Like, uh, <laughs> compared to the car that came third, which looks like a work of art, which yeah. is also Hatch Q and and it's it's a, a, a two door Minot, which is an absolute work of art. But th- he his whole shtick is my cars look like shit, but they go fast. Yeah, okay. and
0: boy did it go fast. What yep. sort of figures did it do? He
1: only did seven forties over the quarter mile, whereas that the silver HQ that came third managed a. Uh, a seven two, but Bloody couldn't replicate that at the small tracks. Oh, so
2: it's a uh, five together.
1: Yep, you add them all up. Yep, yep. To get the smallest, to get, and whoever has the smallest figure at the end wins.
2: That's funny. Like there'd be cars on the market that I reckon that might no, probably not anymore. That I was gonna say would probably do a quarter mile in like the combined time of <laughs> yeah, those yeah, five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Probably not anymore. But you know, There's maybe a few like cars a that probably wouldn't layer. get to the end of the
0: quarter mile at all. Yeah. Um, and powering that HQ, it was a ten point. Something
1: So a big block Chev, which is a very venerable engine. uh, Second only to the Chrysler's Hemi is the most popular engine in this type of thing. With giant turbos that are right back, for weight balance reasons, right back against the firewall. Mm -hmm. Which unfortunately turns the firewall into a barbecue for your feet. (laughs) So this year they came back with some more uh, uh, insulation on the firewall there. But so a very uncomfortable car to drive with uh, four guys in it. Uh, and, look, this, at this level, where they're making over 2,000 horsepower, to get them from track wow. to track is a very... Drag cars normally only go for yeah. seven seconds, they don't... But that's that's what... And it tows about, a trailer.
2: About me, like, <laughs> I mean, you especially know, you've been a street machine for 20, 25 years, or something. Like, go back even, you know, early 2000s, the idea of a 2,000 horsepower car, yeah, like you say, even driving on the street, let alone doing whatever they do, 2,000 Ks, or even running on a highway that temperatures under control, it's just... It's amazing. a testament to yeah. the engineering and how yep. far, I suppose, engine management's come and that sort of yep. stuff. So.
1: Most of the cars are EFI, and those cars certainly are. And they, the car that won his tuner was in Queensland. He's a very famous racer himself. And he was watching our live stream and adjusting the computer, talking to the guy on the phone and going, wow. right, we're going to give it a bit more here. And Traction control's a massive thing.
2: Oh, so they can run traction control? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, You can do
1: it. Drake Challenge, you can bring... We don't have rules. Yep. You can do bring whatever you I want. If you are... Prepared to drive it on the street, and uh, then you bring run what you're There are tyre classes, mm-hmm. but fuel, you can do whatever you, t- you like to your car at the track. Take the exhaust off. For example, most of the fast cars run their exhaust. We call them horns, straight out of the front guards. Mm-hmm. And then you take that off and put a full exhaust back on for the road. You don't have to. People have driven with those horns.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh,
1: some of them have felt the wrath of the war.
0: I was going to say, probably, yeah. You can't get away with that for very long. The no. guy <laughs> came from...
1: Uh, Perth in a diesel, like a 10-second diesel Colorado with uh, fixed Lexan windows, which would have been v- black Colorado ute. would have been very Horrific. uncomfortable. But that's his choice.
0: And it ran, that was, uh, I think it was running 65 PSI of boost. Yes, indeed. To get a fairly standard yeah. engine up to horsepower to do 10 seconds. Crazy. Madness.
1: Probably the last thing I should mention is the camaraderie uh, yeah, and sportsmanship in this uh, field. So the guy that won he broke a rocker arm on day three. And we're in the middle, halfway between Mildura and Portland. We pulled over when he'd when he'd done it. And the sun is coming down. And often these repairs are in the dark in a country, country town where nothing is open. And uh, yeah, you don't find these rocker arms in your local servo. Mm. So he called the guy with the silver HQ that came third, who was at that point the fastest car, and said, have you got any of these rocker arms spare? Which is like, uh, you know... Yeah. Would Mark Winterbottom lend a rocker arm yeah. to um, exactly. yeah. you know, one of his rivals at Bathurst? There are yeah. numerous
0: analogies you could use in all other racing disciplines to highlight just how unlikely that request would have ever been made in any other racing circuit. Speedway,
1: I think, still has a bit of that, yep. um, but yeah. So anyway, these guys said, yep, we've got a spare one. We're going to... And Part of our road trip is you have to take uh, a photo of your car at these landmarks to right. prove that you were there mm-hmm. so people don't just chuck them on the back of a truck, cover them over and... Yep. So they uh, said, you can have your rock rumble going to tie it up this grain silo, uh, several you know <laughs> hundred foot in the air, mm-hmm. and you can come and get it. And uh, so they did that, and sure enough, they had to shin up the grain silo. Oh, my God. How cool is that? Mm, Spider-Man style.
2: Is this, this needs to be like the amazing race.
1: Yeah. It's and getting on that
2: way.
0: It yeah. is.
1: It
2: was 2,000 kilometers of driving.
0: It's racing every day. It's, you know, there's so
1: many. Got, you know, you've got to, fi- it's all well and good to fix your car. You've got to beat the next track, which could be six hours away, mm. ready to race in the next morning, or at least by the time racing finishes in the and afternoon. Presumably,
2: with 240 cars, you don't get many runs
1: now. No, and then the weather can reduce the amount of runs. Mm-hmm. But other examples of that camaraderie, we had two guys, one in a Cortina with a barra motor, and a guy in an R33 Skyline with an RB. Yeah. The uh, RB shattered its gearbox, which is a power guide, so it's not a Nissan. Yeah. So you can't blame. But the guy beside him in this Cortina also had a power guide. His engine had blown up. So, didn't know the guy previously. This gave him his gearbox oh. so he could, in Mildura. Isn't that amazing? A thousand Ks from home. It warms the cockles. It does. And uh, that's just one example.
0: Ooh. Absolutely amazing. Do you want to mention your sponsors quickly? Because I feel like that's a good idea. Why not?
1: We are Haltec Engine Management Systems, TurboSmart, an amazing Aussie company who just won some awards at SEMA for their electronic wastegate. So, you can adjust oh, cool. your waste. No more springs and screwdrivers. Oh, I like that. XR6 Turbo Developments, that does what it says in the box with that one. <laughs> uh, k and Filters, worldwide company of some renown. Uh, pacemaker Headers, a very venerable Australian company, and Tough Mounts, who make engine mounts, so you can do these silly swaps. Uh, you know, if we want to take that, you know, RB38 of your skull at some point, put and put around. something better in it, uh, we better. can. Better they can. They says. can arrange that for you.
0: At the, uh, at the last day of Drag Challenge, I decided it would be a great idea, and quite funny, to turn up in the least appropriate car for an oh, event yes. like that. Um, just, I mean, just on the top of your head, what, what, could, what could be possibly the least appropriate and potentially most inflammatory vehicle you could turn up to uh, a, a competition about drag racing using largely Australian and American cars?
2: Probably something, uh, maybe like a bright orange hybrid Honda?
0: yes. A Japanese hybrid car at drag challenge It was. Um, I thought it would just be funny to turn up in it, and the reception was was equally amusing. It did itself. It did attract quite a bit of attention, didn't it? I don't know whether it was the right kind of attention, though.
1: The um, were people sort of ad- admiring of the NSX. I think these days uh, our our community is a broader church than it once was, mm. and people do appreciate engineering of all kinds. Mm. Uh, on the internet, they may be disparaging of things, but I think in real life they appreciate, you know, the z One's an amazing car and, you know, most people aren't going to go out and buy one of those. Uh, It's the price of a, you know, a house in Hobart 20 years ago. Or, or (laughs) you could
0: could spend $420,000 and end up in a Honda NSX, the 2019 updated version, which Scott and I both spent some time in last week. What do we think about this car? What does it do? Does it, what's, what's its job?
2: Its job is to be the flagship of the Honda range, as, a, as I suppose like in true supercar fashion. It's a technological showpiece for what all the clever boffins at Honda can do. Although you say it's a Japanese car, it's technically an American car. Oh, an Acura. It's built in the US, was developed in the US. Yeah, all right. Although it is kind of Japanese still. Like, it's it, profoundly Japanese. Yeah, you look at it, it looks Japanese and it kind of feels Japanese. Um, but the Yanks did a bloody good job making it too yeah
0: what do we think i mean so, so my resounding impression from this car is i kind of wanted i prepared myself to not like it when i got in i thought it was gonna Quiet. be i thought it was just gonna be too synthetic i thought it was gonna be too mm. um a little bit like i'm sorry about this i don't really like the current generation um skyline the nissan gtr no fair yeah. i'm not a fan of that because it is too much technology over passion mm-hmm. um it does an unbelievably good job uh, of, of going fast in all directions and a straight line but for me it just doesn't have enough soul because yep. there too much science in there I thought the NSX was going to be exactly the same and I prepared myself for that and I couldn't have been more wrong it was it has so much passion hmm. it's got so much um, theatre and charisma mm. way more than I was expecting
2: yeah it's interesting because I've I've driven this is the updated NSX uh, it's got a few suspension tweaks and different tyres and bright orange paint apart from that it's pretty similar to the last one um, which I drove in Tassie and it's interesting when I came away right from that Tassie trip Uh, I sort of felt like you just said very very impressive very fast very capable but maybe a little bit one-dimensional but it's interesting that now having driven this current one on roads I know like that was a it was a great trip but it was an unfamiliar road that was in the middle of winter very cold slippy roads so yeah great weather familiar roads familiar a bit more with the car I got a lot more out of it this time and sort of Dug, deep, dug perhaps deeper into it, and, yeah, it's a fantastic car. It's got really sort of a lot of dynamic depth. Um, you know, you can keep peeling back layers to it beyond its actual sheer speed, which it is super, super-duper quick.
0: And that is that is the thing as well. I, I res- um, realized fairly quickly it's not... I was sort of expecting it to be a little bit like a BMW i8, which I would mm. say is very much a sports car. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, pin the throttle in the NSX, and it is every bit of supercar. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's you know, like, it can be a bit deceptive because it's quite small, it's quite a compact proportions. Yeah. You say, oh, it's got, it's got some electric bits in there, it all yeah. sounds very safe. and lo- Bloody hell no, like, that thing really squirms around. And I gave it a footfall coming out of Drag Challenge, and the, the weather had deteriorated, so it was cold tyres, wet roads. Bloody hell. Doesn't mind a skid. Not at all.
2: Mm. Um, so, but for people who aren't familiar, the Honda NSX is basically, it's... Traditionally, it's a 3.5-litre twin-turbo V6 mid-engine supercar, but has hybrid assistance. It's got a motor in between the gearbox and the engine, and it's got another two electric motors on each... Well, it's got one on each front wheel. So that makes it uh, all-wheel drive. Yeah. And constantly variable all-wheel drive. So the engine just drives the rear wheels. The front wheels are sorted out by electric motors, and you can do all sorts of clever things with that. Um, So it makes it remarkable to drive. You know, it doesn't... The possibilities with this sort of stuff is just incredible in terms of making a car handle sort of like no nothing else.
0: And that is the future. I mean, with hub motors or motors on each on each wheel or each actual axle for that matter, you get into the realm of completely variable all-wheel drive. Yes, and you can do some extraordinary things. You know, people go on about how the new BMW M5 you can put it in track mode, which completely um, removes the action of the front axle. Mm -hmm. Well, big deal. Electric cars can do that. We can make it a one-wheel drive if you want to. That would be really funny. Let's do a road <laughs> test with a one-wheel drive. Let's see. oh, let's
2: find out which or is left, the fastest wheel. Or left-wheel drive. <laughs> so just like a tank and just rotates on the spot.
1: <laughs> so you said this is over four hundred thousand dollars. Four twenty, I think. 000. Yeah, yeah. So twice the price of a Cayman GT four. Yeah, twice.
2: The, the money. Price. And then to I me, mean, we'll get. We might as well get to it since you brought up the elephant in the room. That's the problem to me. There's a thing on our sheet here uh does it honour the original. To me, it's exactly the same as the original. It's a fantastic car that costs way too much, so no one buys one. There you go. If it was 300 grand, which is still a preposterous amount of money, Yeah. but when it's sitting next to a Huracan, an R8, that sort of thing, even though it's as good a car as those, people just, I don't think, can drop 400k plus on a Honda. But I think that is not necessarily a bad thing. This was
0: never supposed to be a volume car. And no. you have to say, in the same breath, Bugatti Veyron, Bugatti Chiron, whatever. Um, that car is not supposed to be for everyone. No. Very few people can even afford it. It's the same with the Honda. It's supposed to just stand there as a representation of what they can achieve. Hmm. And bloody hell does it do a good job of that.
2: And what I do like about it is that the advantage of a mass market manufacturer making it, like you get in a, in a 6... And I have no reason. It, like it would have gone through the same durability durability process as a Civic or an Accord or anything. That's what they that has to do. Yeah. So in ten years' time, there's no reason to think why that car won't be ex- exactly in the same condition it is now. Whereas, not every supercar manufacturer has that same stringent reliability process. Yeah. So um, it is. Though a couple of days after I drove the new Huracan, the Huracan Evo, which you've driven, Dan. Yes. I think I'd still buy the Hurricane.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd still buy the um, LP580, the rear-wheel drive. Yeah, me program. too. That's
2: the thing I got out of the Huracan. I'm like, yeah. it's really good, but I don't know if it moves so much for the last one, to be honest.
0: Should we just cut to the chase and just say we'll still buy an MX-5? <laughs> let's just go, yeah, let's yeah. just go down through all the levels of hyperbole. What would you buy, Telf? Like-
1: for $400,000. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, unit in Hobart <laughs> <laughs> how fast does that go from zero to 100 mm, not very <laughs> I did like the look of that NSX and, yeah it looks wild and if you're like I don't want to be that rich guy driving a Lamborghini maybe yeah. you
2: be that yeah, yeah absolutely I mean a Lamborghini you know? Ferrari that does say a certain something about you mm. Some good, some bad. Um, the Honda does fly... Like, no one knows what it is, the advantage of it being rare. Totally, despite, yeah. Despite, uh, you know, the Honda PR guys like, we put two massive Honda badges on it. <laughs> I wonder if they... Sh- I do wonder if they should have just left the Acura badging, or Acura badging on it because then it's... No In one knows what it is but, and yeah. it's... You don't own a Honda. Like, Honda's a great company, but... It's from the future, man. It doesn't necessarily have the cachet...
0: Gentlemen, get out of my face. It is once again time to say cheerio to our listeners. If you're wondering what the uh, notable absence of Andy Enright is all about this week, it's because he is a former shell of himself. He has been on Wheels Car of the Year all last week and a little bit more than that. Um, and I understand he is basically psychologically dead. Um, he will be back, though, next week to tell us all about that. In the meantime, all that leaves me to say is to Telf and to Scott. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank yeah. We'll see you all again soon. And to you, dear listeners, uh, we're going to stop pummeling your ears with our annoying voices. Please take care on the roads and listen in again for next week.
2: Goodbye.